Going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. And he's Welcome to another episode of the Duck Pod. I'm Ryan Thorburn, joined as always by Austin Meek, and we're getting you ready for a little March Madness. And for the first time in 12 years, that includes the Oregon Women's Basketball Program, which leads us to our guest today, Kelly Graves, the head coach of the Ducks. Kelly, how are you doing? I imagine you're doing pretty well. (laughs) I am, Ryan. Thanks for asking. Austin, good to be here with you guys. So I guess... You know, it's been less than 24 hours since Oregon popped up on the selection show. What's what's it been like, I guess, finding out where you're going, first of all, that you're in, and, and making travel plans, because you guys are the team that's traveling the furthest in the entire bracket. Oh, I didn't realize that, but I guess, yeah, we're going from the northwest to the southeast. I guess that makes sense. Um, you know, I'll tell you, there's something really obviously magical about the selection itself you know we figured we were going to be in and then but when you see it it's really really cool and uh something i think every you know young man young woman you know needs to experience at some point but then the fun starts as coaches because now it's our chance to just dive into the opponent we you know it's it's so it's changed so much you guys in the last even five years you know, it used to be after you would get the selection, you would have to call people that you knew to get any video or DVD sent to you on that opponent. Well, now there's services like Synergy, where with the push of a couple of buttons, you can get every single game they played this year. You can have them all broken down by offense, defense, and then every player can be evaluated with the push of a couple of buttons. So it's changed. It's not quite as frantic or as fun, really. But as a staff, we were together last night till about 10 p.m., just kind of diving through whatever we could find on them and watching some film together. So I've already personally seen four Temple games. And, um, you know, so that's how it's changed. But it, it, it's a lot of fun, you guys, a lot of fun. Yeah. So, okay, give us the scouting report on Temple now that you've had a chance to take a little closer look at them. Well, uh, very athletic. Uh, they are led, They have two guards that are incredible, um, you know, both of whom are going to uh, perhaps have WNBA careers. Um, uh, you know, both can are great in transition, uh, really attack the basket, but they shoot the ball really well. So they're a team that uh, that relies a lot on the three-point shot. They don't shoot with a, a great percentage, but they make a lot. So they're shooting a lot. Um, good on the boards. They turn people over. So I liken them a little bit in our conference to maybe an Arizona or a USC, only better. You know, they're just overall better. Um, but but the same kind of style and uh, and, and athlete. Kelly, so we got to uh, work it out for us, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no question. we got to work it out for us. You guys are the 10 seed. They're the 7. Uh, the winner most likely will play Duke at Cameron Indoor. I'm just curious from your perspective. I mean, you played 
college basketball. On the men's side, you're familiar with, you know, all the upsets in the first and second rounds and that sort of thing. Do you feel like there's more parity coming to the women's game and, and that a 10 seed like yourselves, I mean, you guys don't look like a 10 seed. Um, yeah, well, there's definitely more parity. I think the, the sport itself, uh, women's basketball, has gotten just a lot better over the last decade. Uh, more good players. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, I think the problem, you might get the, the, you know an upset, let's say a 7-10 or 8-9, I guess, never really an upset, 5-12, those kind of things. But it's really difficult, ultimately, in that second round to beat the higher-seeded team on their home floor. And that, you know, I, I just think that's what makes the men's tournament so magical. Um, you know, you get those early rounds, 14 beating a three or, you know, a 13 beating a four, whatever the case may be. You just don't get that in the women's game very often because you're playing on home sites. Could you imagine if Duke or Gonzaga or our men were playing their first and second round games at home? You know, like we do, yeah. it would take away a lot of the drama. And so I personally think we need to, to get to neutral sites, figure that out somehow. Uh, the fan support might not be as great, but I think it would make the tournament a little bit better. Hmm. That well, being said, you know, I've actually won as a coach six games in the NCAA tournament as a double-digit seed, which, you know, might be a record. You know, I, I don't know. It doesn't happen that often, but we've been able to do it uh, several times. Yeah, to follow up on that, I, I was going to say that came up yesterday at the selection show party, um, and I, I looked back. So the the two years you made the, the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16 back-to-back years as an 11 seed at Gonzaga, what uh, what was the, the key to making that run? How did you pull that off? Well, I had some pros. I, you know, Courtney Vandersloot, uh, you know, one of the, the greatest – college players in history. I mean, she's the only player, male or female, to get 2,000 points and 1,000 assists in a career. Um, you know, and then we had other pros on those teams. I had four players drafted. So uh, so we were good. We were legit, but we also were playing at home or in Seattle on those games. So, uh, you know, that, that helped. So I know that the power of playing at home in the NCAA tournament, and it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's powerful. So, uh, but, you know, I think you just throw out the seeds and you just, you know, get your kids to believe that regardless of where you're seated and who you're playing, you can win. You can win because you see it all the time. Kelly, last year, I remember when you guys went to UTEP, they had a crazy crowd for the, the mm-hmm. WNIT. Um, and then this year, obviously, you guys beat Seattle, or excuse me, beat Washington in Seattle at the Pac-12 tournament. That's the best atmosphere I've ever seen in, at a college women's basketball game. How much do you think those experiences prepare, you know, the returning players from last year and your freshmen for, for what's ahead if you do face a Duke, for example? Yeah. Um, well, it's invaluable. There's no question about it. Um, you know, you can rely on that experience to tell your kids, hey, listen, it doesn't matter who we're playing or where. You know, we can win in, a, in an atmosphere like this on the road. Um yeah, that UTEP game last year was uh, was was crazy, and obviously all our freshmen weren't involved there. But but those veterans can rely on that experience. But uh, no, I think that Washington game will be referenced uh, several times in, in this postseason if we can continue to advance. 
You know, on the subject of parity, we were talking about that, and the one area in the women's game where I guess there's not much parity is at the very top with with yeah. UConn on this this winning streak, and you know that sparked quite a bit of debate. Um, and there's sort of two schools of thought: the people who say, "Hey, it's great for the game to have such a dominant team; it brings in a lot of attention," and maybe people who wouldn't typically follow the women's game will will pay attention because of UConn. Uh, but then there's also people who say. It's not good for the game to have one team that's so dominant, you know, a hundred plus wins in a row, the the mm-hmm. heavy heavy favorite to win the tournament. Uh, where where do you fall on that? What, what's your opinion? Oh, I think I think UConn's great for the game. I I truly do. They set a standard that the rest of us need to uh, um, to a, achieve for. I guess I, I don't know strive for. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you don't want them to to. to come back to the pack we want them to elevate the rest of the game and i think they are in large part you know he gino i'll tell you doesn't get the credit he he deserves for being a a really really good coach you guys he gets good players i get it and i hear people say all the time well he gets the best players well no he doesn't always you know a lot of those kids he's he has starting now and they're all americans they were rated in the 20s and uh you know they weren't the number one kid out of high school um, you know, so he, he gets the right players and he does a really good job with them. So I, I personally think it's good. And, and I think at some point somebody needs to suck it up and, and beat those guys in the tournament when it counts. Mm-hmm. And then who knows how things might change. But right now they have that air of invincibility that, uh, that carries them through. Well, speaking of getting players, your recruiting class was ranked number three and, and they're living up to it so far. Ruthie Hebert had an incredible season. Uh, I think Mallory, Ma- Mallory McGuire, that shot she has from the free throw line, I don't know any how you would even guard that when it's going down. And then obviously Sabrina. Uh, I wrote about it in October when Sabrina started practicing with you guys, but just take our audience through the story of what it was like to recruit her for so long and then for her to show up on campus right before you guys got going and what it's been like for you to work with her. Well, her recruitment uh, tested our resolve and our patience. <laughs> uh, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, but we knew that the prize, you know, or the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow was going to be worth it. We, we had a really good idea of how special a player uh, she was going to be. But, uh, you know, we started her recruitment early. Uh, I know between Mark Campbell and I, well, Mark didn't miss a single game the summer before her uh, her senior year, and I think I hit every single one of them nationally except for two. And I had to go see Sierra and some of the other kids Ruth, <laughs> yeah. that weren't playing in the state tournament. So we, we put a lot of time and energy into that, and I give Mark Campbell just a ton of credit. He was the point person on her recruitment, and I think he um, he made it a point to, to – make contact with her each and every day, uh, you know, some way. And, you know, we, we exhausted every evaluation and every home visit or anything like that, that we could under NCAA rules. And we just worked hard at it. And quite frankly, after she didn't sign in November, we stopped really trying to put any kind of pressure on her or, um, you know, talking about why Oregon is a better place. We just, tried to build relationship with her and just be her um not her friend necessarily but just continue to develop that that relationship with her and it it paid off 
And we didn't know, honestly. Uh, we did not know that she was going to come. She had narrowed it down to us in Washington there at the end. And um, we kind of gave her a deadline. Hey, you have to be here to start summer school or you cannot go on our European trip. I mean, they're, they're, it's an NCA rule. And so school, summer school started on, on um, Monday. All the other freshmen, the other six freshmen were here and taking part in some in, uh, orientation activities. And I'm in the, in, the, in the Matthew Knight Arena, and it was late morning or early afternoon, and guess who walks in? Sabrina and her dad. <laughs> so we had no idea that, uh, that they were going to, she was going to show up. It was the last thing she could have, and, and she did. And, um, you know, boy, aren't are we happy for it, that's for sure. But it, it was a heck of a long journey, and, but, but really paid off in the end. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you touched on this yesterday. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement uh, around your program to make the NCAA tournament. It, it's a huge step after not making it for, for 12 years. But it's kind of a, a step in the, in the journey for you guys and certainly not the ultimate destination just to get there. Now, if you look out ahead two or three years, um, where, where do you see this program? You know, you mentioned some somebody needs to step up and you know be be on that UConn level, and certainly not to put that pressure on you guys. But um, is that the ultimate goal that you're trying to build toward? And, and where do you see this program headed? Well, no doubt. I mean, that, we we want to be a uh, a Final Four contender every year. Somebody that has the opportunity to win a national championship. You guys, that's why I left Gonzaga. You know, I could have stayed up there and won 28 to 30 games every year. Always been a uh, always be a, uh, a, a, I guess, a contender to get to the second weekend of the tournament um, and win championships, those kind of things. But uh, no, I wanted to, I wanted to set my own sights a little bit higher. So I brought in a, a, just a killer staff. Uh, Oregon is a great place to, to recruit to. Uh, the brand is incredibly hot, and um, and so yeah, we had set our sights right from day one on. On, uh, on recruiting that 2016 class, and we crushed it that year. And, and um, we continued to, I think, crush the recruiting. We've got an amazing 17 class coming in. So, yeah, we, we want to build the kind of program that's going to be in the, uh, you know, along the lines of, let's say, our softball program. Who every, each and every year they're going to be considered a contender for a national championship, the College World Series. We want to be the, the, the same kind of a program. And I think we're working towards that. That's why... This tournament for this young team, I don't think people realize how impressive what these guys did is. You know, UCLA two years ago had the number one recruiting class in the country. They went to the NIT. They had a losing record going into the tournament. Um, you know, that great class that uh, Oregon State put together that went to the Final Four as seniors, Ruth Hamblin and Devin Hunter and Jamie Weisner. They went 9-20, and 20, I think, as freshmen. And these guys, what they've done, I think, is just really, really incredible. And uh, just to have a taste of it, now they know what it's like. Uh, we feel we're good enough to win some games in this in this tournament, and that will just, I think, really propel them, give them confidence, uh, uh, motivate them in the off season, knowing what they're working towards. So I, I thought the selection yesterday was huge for the program in many many respects. Kelly, I don't think a lot of basketball teams or anyone in human history have made the trip from El Paso to Vermilion, South Dakota, <laughs> like you guys did last year. A one and only, don't you think? <laughs> I know that uh, you guys had some 
wild times going out to Clemson and Mississippi and back uh, before the holidays. Do you feel like this group, I mean, you've been to Hawaii, is, is ready for this challenge of going all the way to the East Coast and making a little bit of noise? I do. I do. I think the confidence gained from a, a really good uh, uh, appearance in our conference tournament, I think, has helped. I gave them the entire week off. We played on Saturday. We didn't practice again until the next Saturday. Now, they were in shooting and lifting and stuff on their own. We didn't do anything organized. And when we met back up on Saturday and practice, I saw an absolutely fresh team mentally and physically because it's a long grind. I think that that week off really helped them. So, yeah, I I think we're going to be ready. I think, like you said, the experience of already making a cross-country trip and then a trip to Hawaii where we played well on both those trips, I think will help. Um, I, I just think there's there's no excuse. We don't have any reason to, to uh, say that we, we can't go and compete and do well. Well, Kelly, last question for me here. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, about the Gonzaga men, because I know that you and Mark <laughs> Few are buddies and worked together yep. for a long time. And um, I don't know if you've talked to Mark much during this season, but... Um, does he feel like maybe this is his best shot at a Final Four? And, and what do you think? If I'm thinking about picking the Zags in the Final Four, is that a, a good pick on my bracket? You know, it's really funny you say it. Yeah, Mark came down. We spent some time together uh, over the Christmas break. He brought his family and uh, here to Eugene because he's from this area. And um, he normally downplays everything. I mean, he would be a great poker player. <laughs> but he even said he, he thought that this team was a little bit special. And uh, and he, he he really really loves him. I, I think he's really close to this group, and um, you know and and I think he thinks that they're the deepest team he's ever had. He didn't go out and say that they were the best team he's had, but he had a little twinkle in his eye, and he normally is you know plays things pretty close to the vest. So um, yeah, I, I think this is a good group, you guys. I it, we're not allowed to bet, <laughs> but if I did. I, I would I would think this is the year he gets that team to the Final Four. All right, Kelly. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck with your travels and preparation for the NCAA tournament. And uh, I will see you on Tobacco Road. <laughs> hey, we're going to have some fun down there, Ryan. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Kelly. We appreciate okay. it. Yeah, hey, congrats, thanks, Kelly. Awesome.